Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. This message is, Is Trauma Terminal? I got to be upfront with you as I begin this morning. This message is not original with me. I listen to a fair amount of messages during the course of the week. I love to listen to preaching. And occasionally I will hear something that I think is so good that I have to share it with you. So, I mean, of course, I take it, modify it, change some illustrations and what have you. But I got to be honest, the six basic points of this message are not original with me, and I I want you to know that up front. But it was a good enough message that I thought, you know, I've got to share this with people. It's just like if you, you know, you somebody gives you some good food, you know, you want to, here, try this. You've never tasted anything so good. With me, in this case, it's not food, it's a message. It's like, hey, I want to share this with you. So I trust it will be a a blessing to you. And I also made a a decision uh, just this morning. There are six points to this message, and I think this message is important enough that I not try to squeeze it all in this morning. I thought that's what I was going to do. I was going to preach all six points this morning, but thinking about it, I thought, no, this is too important. We Like a good meal, you don't want to rush through it. You want to enjoy it, so I'm going to give you the first three points this morning, and the next three points, well, they're not going to be this afternoon. I got something else planned. Not going to be next Sunday either because it's Memorial Day weekend, got something else plan for that. It'll probably be uh, the Sunday after that. But the first three points this morning, I think, will be beneficial to you. As we get into the message this morning, let me share this with you. Brother Ted Wells, I talked to him, I think, Friday morning. He and his wife winter down in Florida. They live over in, in Grayling. And I got word that he had had, he had had a stroke. So, uh, and he was in the hospital. So I called him, I guess it was Thursday morning. Yeah, it was Thursday morning. I called him. I said, Ted, what happened? And, uh, well, I kind of had a surprise too, because when I called the hospital, he answered the phone. So I was shocked because I'd heard the the night before he had had a stroke. So I, first of all, he told me, he said, I feel much better this morning. I said, well, I'm, I'm surprised that you answered the phone, but I'm, I'm glad you answered the phone. And he really sounded normal. Had I not known that he'd had a stroke the night before, I would have had no idea that he had. But he told me, he said, Pastor, he said, yesterday afternoon, he said, I'm at home. And he said, all of a sudden, he said, when I tried to talk, he said, my words were slurred. He said, my speech was garbled. And he said, if you would have asked me, he said, I I wouldn't have been able to tell you who my kids are. I couldn't have told you my kids' names. And he says, for whatever reason, though, he said, I I feel much better this morning. And my point in sharing, and and I talked to him yesterday afternoon, and he was going to be here today, but his, I I think it was his home health care nurse told him, no, don't get too active too fast. Oh, by the way, and something else to pray for him about. Not only that, but he's got, they've, they've discovered a problem with one of his heart valves. So they're not sure if it's going to be a heart valve repair or, or a replacement. So that's something that we as a church needs to pray about. But the point, again, in sharing that with you is you never know. 
whether you're his age or whether you're faith's age. You never know what tomorrow holds. And something that comes on suddenly and unexpected like that, we would often refer to as trauma or that was a traumatic experience. And this morning we want to ask the question from a Christian perspective, is trauma terminal? And we ask the question because with some Christians it appears to be. That they go through something suddenly and unexpectedly and then all of a sudden they're not in church. They're not to be found. They may even be angry at God. And it would appear in some instances that trauma is terminal. The good news is we can go to the Bible and we can learn from the Bible this morning how to make sure that when trauma comes into your life, it isn't terminal. Terminal in the sense that your life just dramatically changes for the worse. And that you are down, you are discouraged, you you can't function because of a trauma that happened to you or maybe happened to somebody else that's near and dear to you. Thankfully, the Bible addresses this and addresses it in, in a big way. We'll start this morning with considering the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was right with God. I mean, after all, hey, he was an apostle, but yet he wasn't immune to trauma. And that tells us that trauma, if it happens to the Apostle Paul, it can happen to Glenn McMorris, it can happen to Sharon McMorris, it can happen to you. Paul went through, actually, a lot of trauma in his life. He shares some of that with us in his letter that he wrote to the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 7, he said this, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And listen to what he says. This is his life. We are troubled on every side. Man, pastors and apostles, you know, they live on easy street. Not according to the apostle Paul. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. That's the point we need to emphasize. He was troubled, but he wasn't distressed. We are perplexed. We find ourselves in situations we don't know what to do. This is bad. Wasn't expecting it. Now what? So he acknowledges we are persecuted, but not in despair. Not in despair. You you may be perplexed by things going on at work or things going on in your family, But you don't have to be in despair. Then he goes on to say in verse number 9, persecuted, but not forsaken. Maybe it worked. Again, things weren't going well. But God hasn't forsaken you. Cast down, but not destroyed. And then he says, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, and the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. And he's acknowledging, hey, wait a minute, Jesus was persecuted. Jesus was, was knocked down. Jesus was, was troubled on every side. And yet he made it, and he said, that's the way we can be too. We know in the life of Paul that trauma was not terminal in his life. We also know that as Christians, it's the best life you can possibly live. And we avoid many of the headaches and the drama that the unsaved world experiences on a daily basis. But because we live in a sin-cursed world, we are not immune from every problem. Loss and disappointments and hurts are just part of the experiences of living life in a sin-cursed world. Now, consider this. 
handled well for a Christian. Those hurts, disappointments, trauma, if you will, can grow you. It can, it can actually work to your benefit when you go through tough times. It can mature you. It can strengthen you when handled properly, with a proper, mature Christian perspective, but handled poorly. Those same conditions can discourage you. It can, it can upset you. It can misdirect you in life. Yeah, problems can be. Trauma can be terminal, but it doesn't have to be. It could be the trauma of losing a job, losing your savings, loss of a spouse through either death or divorce. It could be the loss of a lifelong dream that you finally realize is going to go unfulfilled. And if you're not careful, then you may be tempted to build a wall around yourself to protect yourself. And that might keep some of the pain out, but you know what it also does when you build a wall around yourself, when you go through troubles and trials? It may keep some of the pain out, but it will also keep a lot of the love that you need out, a lot of the instruction that you need. Yes, you exist, but you don't live like you should live and like you used to live because of whatever trauma the Lord has allowed to come in your life. Thankfully for us believers... The Lord addressed this idea in a huge way in the Old Testament, in the book of Job. To make sure that trauma in your life isn't terminal, our Savior gave us the whole book of Job that focuses on one man and his experience with trauma. And we learn from Job that trauma knows doesn't have to be terminal. It doesn't have to put you in a tailspin. It doesn't have to get you out of sorts. It doesn't have to get you out of uh, or or put you in some kind of despair. You, you, You may be tempted to go there. You may go there for a little while. But if you focus on Job and the purpose of this wonderful book, you're going to get some practical instruction and help that is going to help you get through those tough times when trauma comes. Let's read about Job. Many of you know this story, but, it's, it's, it, it, but some of you may not. If you know about the story, here's a refresher. And if you don't know the story, here's the story. In Job chapter 1, verse number 13. And there was a day when his, that's Job's, sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. Verse number 15. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. So he gets word of what's happened to his children. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. This is a bad day. I mean, you think you've had bad days? I mean, he is realizing in one day he has lost everything. 
And, verse number 17, while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. Verse number 19, And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness that smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose and rent his mantle, tore his clothes, shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, you get that horrible phone call that you never want to get. This is like four or five horrible phone calls in the same day. And yes, it affected him. Yes, he tore his mantle, shaved his head, fell on the ground, but he worshiped God. He worshiped God. He did the right thing. What a lesson for us. But yet, Job, even though experiencing his worst nightmares, as if that wasn't bad enough. In the second chapter, Job chapter 2, verse number 7, So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. Now he is physically attacked. He is experiencing these horrible boils all over his body. The Lord shares with us probably the worst case scenario for any human being. And the entire book of Job is dedicated to that man and what he went through and how he survived it. Because in spite of all that, look at what the Bible says. Chapter 1, verse 22. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. And in fact, if you read the whole story, as we'll get to when we finish the second part. Not only did Job prevail and prevail in his faith, but in the end, God blessed him and he prospered. As a pastor, it breaks your heart to see somebody go through something difficult and it gets them away from the Lord. It's evidence that they're away from the Lord due to the fact that in many cases, and I don't know this because I don't keep up with people's givings, but I guarantee you they quit giving. They quit coming. They quit reading their Bible. Oh, it's very evident when somebody is pulling away from the Lord. There are telltale signs that are there that show you that they're pulling away, that the trauma has been, in their case, spiritually terminal. The Lord loves us. He knows our shortcomings. He knows our weaknesses. He knows how frail we are. He also knows that in this this sin-cursed world, there will be trauma come into our lives. And I really believe as Christians, we miss out. We are blessed not to have the trauma that that the world experiences. But again, because we are in a sin-cursed world, you know, we, we are still going to face our share of trauma. But in our case... In our case, what's different is 
with God's help, we can prevail, we can even grow. And in our case, by growing and prevailing through trauma, we bring honor and glory through God. So in our case, one of the major differences between us and our our unsaved family and friends who have all this drama and just, you know, leads them to drinking and whatever, that's the way they deal with it, you know, it can be used for us for something good and something that brings honor and glory to God. As Job prevailed with God's help, so can you, and this book shows us how. We're going to look at three points this morning and, and in the future. A couple of weeks, we'll look at the final three points. Let's look at these points. Number one, how, how was Job, or is there some practical help for you and I today? Are there some things we can learn? I mean, God recorded this. The book of Job, they say, is one of the oldest books in the Bible. I mean, dating way back in antiquity. And it was recorded, and amazingly, it has, it's been preserved to this very day. And God did that as a great favor to us because we can look at Job and we can learn and we can be inspired. So let's look at three things this morning, three lessons for you and I that we can learn from Job. (coughs) That was loud. (laughs) Number one, when trauma comes, tell God how you feel. A simple truth, but a profound truth. When trauma comes... It's okay to tell God how you feel. You can trust God with your emotions. You, you can trust God. I mean, he knows you pretty good. <laughs> he made you. It doesn't surprise him that you have emotions. He gave you those also. God understands that you and I are very much human. We're very weak and we're sinners. So when someone hurts you, you get that horrible news. When you're Dreams and your hopes seem to come crashing down through some unexpected experience. You can talk to God. You can talk to him. How do you know that? Well, again, lessons learned from Job in Job chapter 7, verse number 11. Therefore, I will not refrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. In other words, in the midst of all this trauma, Job poured his heart out to God. And and you don't see him being chastised anywhere in the book of Job. Oh, that's a no-no. You keep it to yourself. When you repress your feelings, folks, there's a greater likelihood that you're going to become bitter at God. Repressing your feelings can uh, harm your physical health. You, you can retreat into an unhealthy shell, and you can become vulnerable. You know, people that, that don't handle trauma right can become vulnerable to an addiction or even things like an affair. So it's not good to repress your feelings. And we need to understand that God is very much big enough to handle our feelings. I mean, you can handle your, chi- your children coming to you, can't you? When your children come to you, you want them to tell you, what's bothering you? Tell me. Don't keep it in. Let me know. uh, I'm upset. I'm mad. Or so-and-so did this to me or whatever. You want to hear that. And you know it's important for them to get it out. So it is with God. 
God wants us to come to him, and that's exactly the model of Job here. Understand this. I like this quote. If you don't talk it out to God, you're going to take it out on your body. The answer when you go through a trauma, folks, isn't grin and bear it. What you need to do is be authentic with God. Be candid with God. Be open with God. When trauma comes, tell God how you feel. And that is perfectly okay, as exampled by Job. So number one, understand, tell God how you feel. You can do that. Get on your knees before him. It may be through tears. It may be through confusion. It it may even be through anger. But it's a good exercise to tell God how you feel. Number two, we learn from Job. This is so important. I can't stress this enough. When trauma comes, be careful who you listen to. You are susceptible when trauma comes. Your emotions may be frail when trauma comes. And people will often offer their advice when you go through a trial. But you need to understand Not all the advice you are given should be heeded. You need to understand. You need to be careful. You need to understand that many times in a trauma, your emotions are are fragile. And you might be tempted to listen to somebody you should not listen to. You have to be discerning. That's very unpopular today in this politically correct culture. And I I need to teach on that topic. I've been studying that. The world is against discernment. The world doesn't want to believe that there's better and best. You know, that there's good and bad. You need, and, and they will tell you, don't be judgmental. No, you need to be discerning. All advice when you're going through a trial is not equal, whether it bothers them or not. You want a perfect example of that? Job chapter 2, verse number 9. Then said his wife unto him, here they're going through all this trauma. Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Are are you still going to be faithful to God? Are you you still going to have integrity with God? What does she say? Curse God and die. That's a sweetheart of a wife. That's a lady you want to be listening to, right? You laugh, but people do it all the time. That's his wife. He needs to listen to her. Not when she's not right with God, he doesn't. He's getting the worst advice he could get. But that's his wife. She's not right with God. Terribly not right. Who would advise somebody that has walked with God, has been trusted by God, who's going to trust somebody that's going to come along and tell him, curse God and die? Some of you aren't going to like this, but this is Bible. Verse 10, But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. Amen, Job. If somebody's wrong, they're wrong. And she was as wrong as anybody could be, wife or no wife. 
Satan would use her to lead him down a path of destruction and no future blessings of God. This is a man that knew what he believed and believed it, and he knew his wife, in this case, was wrong. Job's wife offered him horrible counsel. Now, if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, you hear this and hear it well. Never, 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 never listen to a person who is not right with God. No matter how emotional, distraught, or demanding they may be. One amen would help me right now. That's not popular today. Jesus wasn't popular. Paul wasn't popular. John wasn't popular. Maybe right now up in this pulpit, I'm not popular either. So let me say it again. Never, never, never listen to a person who is not right with God, no matter how emotional, how distraught, or how demanding they may be. Because, folks, your relationship with God comes first. And if your relationship with God suffers, you stand no chance of helping the person who gave you such lousy advice who obviously isn't right with God. Do you understand that? Does that make sense? The person that gave you the lousy advice, I'm not saying throw him under the bus, but you need to be in a position to help him. Mrs. Job, you need to understand. He, he would say to her, honey, listen, we're all upset. We're, we're all uptight right now. I know your heart is breaking, but we don't want to go there. If he stays right with God, not only does he keep himself in a position to be blessed, but now he's in a position to help her. But all too often, when we get this kind of advice, especially especially, Especially, it seems to be from a spouse that's out of sorts with God, not right with God. We're, we're tempted just, I'm not going to battle anymore. I'm just going to give in. I'm just, and, and it could be a woman, in, I mean, it could be a, a, a wife influencing a, a, a husband. It could be, a, in some cases, husbands influencing wives. You can't go there. You've got to stand for what's right, not only to help yourself, but to be in a position to help them. The right thing to do is to seek out wise and godly counsel. I've never understood somebody who would be influenced by someone who is not right with God and would not go to the pastor for his counsel, who is right with God and who loves him and his spouse. It shows how frail, how weak, and how irrational we can be at times. You have to seek out wise and godly counsel. And the best thing you can do for the person that is giving you the wrong counsel is to stay right with God, even if it makes them mad initially, because you, my friend, are the one that's got to help get your spouse back on the right track at some time or another. And giving in to someone who is distraught themselves is a mistake for you and everybody else that you're in a position to influence. Godly counsel is sober. Godly counsel is objective. Godly counsel is principled. Godly counsel is biblical. Godly counsel uses the power of the word to give you strength and encouragement. And one of the ways you know that you're getting godly counsel is whoever's counseling you is basing everything they say on Scripture. Not their feelings, not their opinions, not their past experiences. 
But ultimately where they're coming from is God's word. That's where godly counsel comes from. It comes from God's word. And you need to remember that sometimes when you don't want godly counsel the most, well, that's the time you need it the most. And then number three, when going through trauma, now this may be hard for, this one could be a little hard. When going through trauma, you need to stop asking God why. That may be a tough pill to swallow, and I understand that. But you need to quit asking God why. I mean, Job did. He did ask God why, but I think it's interesting God never answered him why. In Job chapter 3, verse number 11, he says, Why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? You know, why am I going through all this? It would have been better if I would have just died. Why, Lord? Why? Why am I? I mean, the rhetorical question he's asking there is why? You know, he's saying, why died I from the womb? The whole point is, why is all this happening to me? Understandable. Job asked God why, but he never got the answers from God. And there's two reasons why we shouldn't ask God why. One is it doesn't help. I mean, if he tells you why, okay. Like, okay, now it's good that I lost all my kids. You know, I lost, you know, my source of income. Okay, now it's, no. It doesn't help and it prolongs the pain. And I understand why we're all tempted to ask that. I, I, I get that. Why did the accident happen? Why did he take his life? Why did he cheat on me? Why did I lose my job? Why am I not healed? You know what the truth of the matter is? And here's some great counsel this morning. And like I said, some of this is not original with me, but it's good stuff. In reality, we don't need an explanation from God. When we're going through trauma, what do we need? We need God's strength. We need God's support. Rather than needing an explanation, because it's already happened. I mean, the fact that you have trauma means it's, it's happened. Okay? An explanation isn't going to make it not happen. What you do need is strength and support. And the good news I share with you this morning is he will give you that. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, Paul says, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. There are traumas in this life, and probably every person in this room knows what I'm talking about. There are traumas in this life that you will never understand in this life but only when we get to heaven. We have to be careful because if we keep asking God why and he doesn't give us the answer that we think we should give, we may be falsely concluding that God doesn't love me anymore, and that's not true. It may be that God is concealing the answer to build our faith. He knows what he's doing when he doesn't tell us why. I mean, there's lots of things that have gone on in ministry, and I've not known the answer why. I've had lots of good people with tears in their eyes look at me and say, Pastor, why? I don't have the answer. And it's apparent in this lifetime, God won't give them the answer. So it may be that God conceals things in our lives to build our trust in him. Let me give you, I I heard in this message, this particular preacher I was listening to, he said, he, he, he was asking questions, why, why? He said, I got some great advice from my dad. And you'll see it in this next slide. 
create an ask God later file. How, what, how simple is that, but how good is that? Just, okay, he's not going to give me the answer now, and he knows that there's a reason he's not going to give me the answer. Probably has something to do with building my trust. Probably has something to do with my faith. Probably has something to do with him doing something good for me. That's the reason he's not telling me why. I'll put it in the ask God later file. I heard that preacher tell that story. I said, that, that's a good little image. That's a good little image to have. When you get to heaven, I would say chances are we'll have all of our questions answered. But don't frustrate yourself and don't, don't tempt yourself to believe that God doesn't care simply because he hasn't given you the answer that you think he ought to give you. So this morning, when trauma comes... Tell God how you feel. When trauma comes, be careful who you listen to. There will be people in your life, sometimes close, near, and dear to you. They are not right with God, and Satan could use them to pull you away from God. Be careful who you listen to. And number three, when trauma comes, really doesn't do any good to ask why. Really doesn't do any good. Trust God. And there's some other good points, some other very good points. I'll give you a little hint about what's going to come. Trust God with what you do know about him. Trust God. You you, you may not be able to find out why this happened, but you can trust God with what you do know about him, how that he is loving, how that he allows things to happen for a reason, how he has your best interest in view. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.